Hello and welcome to the June edition of the North of England Football Academy's Coaches Corner. We're absolutely delighted uh, to tell you that we were joined by Michael Bounel this month, Technical Director at French Club Le Havre. Michael has been at the club for almost 20 years and has overseen a development programme that has really played a huge part in Le Havre being recognised as one of the top academies in Europe. I'll leave it to the podcast until we talk about some of the players that they have produced, but you are in for a fantastic insight both into Michael's methodology and the insight to why Le Havre continue to produce so many top players. We're going to do it in two parts this month. There'll be two parts to this podcast. In part one, we're going to be covering why certain districts produce world-class players, the importance of scanning, building game insight with players, and finally, what a training session looks like at Le Havre. In part two, we're going to be covering developing game intelligence, playing models, developing coaches, and finally, the role of parents in player development. So I hope you can join into at least one part, if not both parts, and enjoy listening to Michael's insight. If you are enjoying the Nefer Coaches Corner podcast, we really appreciate it, and we'd appreciate it even more if you could forward it on to, say, three people so that we can all continue to share good practice amongst the coaching community. Also, feel free to leave us a review. We're always looking to make the podcast better for you guys. Finally, thanks for tuning in, and I hope you enjoy this month's edition. Yeah, great question from Michael before uh, the break. Can we coach game intelligence? If yes, how? Michael, we've had quite a decent response on that, so I'll go that through that uh, very, very briefly. Uh, yes, coaching the individual player within the team setting uh, from Darren. Um, ben, yes, by putting players in different game-realistic scenarios, using Q&A with players to question their decision-making and perception skills using video analysis and reflection of their own individual performances and best practice clips of elite players. Uh, Stefanos, yes, you can coach it with a lot of game analysis and watching football games with the ability to pause the game to understand what certain team is doing and why they are doing it. Um, another one here, Wayne. Yes, we can by improving the player's ability to take in information through scanning when we couple this ability to gather more information with a better understanding of the game model, then players are quicker to identify situations. Uh, Keith, hi Keith. Yes, by appropriate practice design and coach facilitation. Um, and situational awareness and game models enhance intelligence. Um, and finally, Hajara, I think, yes, using individual personalities to evaluate their weaknesses and strength. So, Michael, what did you think of those answers? Um, and I'll ask you the same um, same question. Can we coach game intelligence? And if so, how? So, yes, very good answers, you know, because uh, I, I do agree with the people, you know. We, yes, I think we, we have, I don't think we can coach it. I think we have to coach it. 
And uh, we have to coach it because, you know, uh, as I said earlier, you know, modern football starts in the head and finishes with the feet. And so that means we have to, um, to, help, to help the players, every, kind of, every player, you know, uh, to, uh, to, um, to do things in a better way, you know. So game intelligence is divided into four parts, you know. You've got the scanning, the scanning part before receiving the ball. Then you have the capacity to analyze and decide, which is step two and step three. And step four is the execution. And execution is not only making a pass. Execution is also moving without the ball. Because when you want to receive the ball in a space, that's because you've analyzed that there is a free space and you will receive the ball in a, in a better in a better in a better place or, or in a place where you, there will be um, less uh, pressure you know and i think that what what is true, i think we have to coach scan and and i strongly believe that this is a part we don't coach enough mm. in our clubs mm. okay so i think this is a part we have to coach and and again, I, I, I give you this quote from uh, again from a um, quotation from uh, Arsene Wenger. If you go on the web, you know, and you 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 just write scanning and and, and Arsene Wenger, and you will see some in very interesting videos where he explained that what the player does before receiving the ball is very important. And I think that when you prepare your your your, your practice, you know, uh, and I heard realistic scenarios. I heard with the team uh, these are exactly what you have to do you know you 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 don't have uh you, you know uh, bob bradley taught me one thing you know and he was always telling me because i, I was a coach and uh, and i was working with him and he was he, he, he told me something very interesting he said michael as a coach we have to coach the players and not the exercise so that means we call the exercise when we prepare the practice because you are preparing the environment where you're going to coach the players. Mm -hmm. But when you are on the field, you have to coach the players. I mean, forget about the rules, forget about the organization, make sure that everything is set up and everything is organized. And then the most important are the feedbacks you give to your players. You know, And this is very important. This is how you assess. I heard realistic scenarios yes create the realistic uh, a, a realistic scenario. but then the most important is what you're going to say to your player during this scenario i heard about q a of course don't give the answer help them to understand help them to to analyze maybe something different but don't tell them to do what i would have liked them to do try to explain them that maybe okay this is what you did were there any more options? Did you see them? You know, so these are the questions and the way you behave and the, the way you act with the players is a good way to, to develop this capacity to be smart. You know, because we've all played football and when you are on the field, you know, you're alone. You're alone with your teammates, with your defender, with the, with the defenders, with the, the opponent. And you have to be able to, to as I said, it's a jungle. And you have to alone. In the, you are alone with, in this jungle with your ten teammates, and you have to, to be able to to find the right answers. You know, and this is our job. This is our job is to uh, to help them to uh, to to understand, decide, see, and of course, I would say carry out the right technical skill to uh, to um, to uh, have the right answer. Okay, because of course, if you cannot make a pass or a right control. 
then you you will fail you can see but if you don't if you're not able to to execute the the, the right skill you know then it's, it's complicated to to have a good balance between what i saw and what i did you know so i think yes we can coach it good stuff well let look let's start to take some of the questions uh from people tuning in tonight i'll invite a few people on uh to ask their question let's start with darren um hi darren can you hear us Hi, can you hear me? Yeah, got Hi, Darren. You, Darren. How are Hi, you, Darren? Darren? Good to see you. Hi, Darren. Good stuff. Um, da Darren, far away with your question. Um, yeah, so I just asked um, in youth development, do you think coaches um, should be age-specific, maybe stay to an age group like 11s, 12s, 13s and become an expert in that area? Or do you think they should get a grasp and work in all areas, on the 9s, on the 19s, we'll say? Well, I think that um, when you're good, when you're a good youth developer, you must be able to work with every kind of teams. Me, I, I, I don't care if I work with the pro team, with the with the under 19, under 16, under you know, uh, as Ryan Spencer said, you know, I spend eight, 10 hours every day, you know, in, in the academy. And sometimes I've got my team and sometimes I go on train the under nine, the under 11, the under 12, the under 13. I don't care about this because you just need to adapt the distance, the regulations or, or you know, and, and your feedbacks. Uh, but of course, I think when you are not fully experienced, it's important to be an expert because when you are an expert, you know, you know what you're saying to your kids. You can compare to what players according to each other to to the players you had the the, the year before the season uh, before so yes i think when you're an expert it's always easy to 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 give very good feedbacks to your player but when you're experienced and i consider myself as experienced i can adapt a possession game or i can adapt a technical work to an under 11 boy or to an under 18 boy i would just have more complexity or less complexity in the drill according to the age and of course the feedbacks will be different Darren, do you want to come back on that oh sounds good um yeah it's it's something that i suppose i've worked at with different genders different age groups um but yeah i was just wondering i suppose to be the best coach i could be um would it be better to be an expert in a certain area or is it good to get i suppose the rich diverse range of experiences but no yeah thanks dancer i think it's good yeah good stuff thanks, thanks, darren. thanks darren thanks darren um let's bring in uh liam um let's see if liam's there liam can you hear us yeah can you hear me got hey, you got, got you loud and clear um liam you with michael um off you go evening everyone um my question was when you spoke about the game model aspect of things and coaching that sort of three options for the player, whether it was a centre-back sort of stepping in, playing long or, or whatever it may be. How explicitly would you coach that? And at what age would you start coaching it in that detail? So rather than just saying, for example, we want to bring the ball forward and let the player then develop his game inside by going from there. When do you actually start giving the detail? Uh, you will be shocked, but we start at the age of seven, eight. So that means uh, and, uh, the, the game model, you know, I will give you some uh, some insights, okay? So we try to connect what we do 
with the 11-a-side team, 8-a-side team, 5-a-side team, okay? And um, of course, of course, uh, we adapt it to the age, okay? As I said, we, I will not ask to a 9- or 10-year-old boy to play a long ball. So when we give three, four options to a 16 or 17 year old boy, we will maybe give maybe one or two options, pass on the ground, you know, um, when, they are, when they are nine or 10, you know, and the idea is to connect each team in the same philosophy. For instance, if we want to start from the back, we've decided that we play 4-3-3, Okay, four, two, three, one, four, four, three, three, depending on the on the on, on the team, and depending on the organization. When you play eleven to eight aside, because we play eight aside when the under thirteen, under twelve, under eleven. Okay, we play two, four, one, plus the keeper, of course. Why? Because with the two defenders, we have the movement of the of the two center backs. And. The, the fullbacks and the wiggers on the side, because we only have eight players, you know, are on the side. So we try to connect the behaviors of the fullbacks of the wingers on the on the players' side, but we never see a team playing three three two or three uh, three three one or no, they always play two four one. Okay, and the movement of the defensive mid is one of the midfielder. The movement of the offensive of the offensive mid is always uh, the second uh, midfielder. The striker has to stretch the lines as much as possible. So we explain the strikers when they are young that they have to stay very high to to stretch the lines as much as possible. You know, so these are the cues we give when they are very young. You know, and of course, each step, each age we give more and more cues to make sure that I mean, their capacity to understand the game model is getting better and better. Okay, so we start with very, very simple uh, and easy cues to identify, and we add cues every year, you know, 13, 12, 13, 14, 15. We, have, we add cues every year so that when they are 18 or 19, they have a complete view of the game model. But the game model is built from the age of eight, nine to the age of 18, 19. And at the end of, uh, when they are 18, 19, you can consider that they have a complete overview of what you expect them to do in the game model. Uh, Liam, please come back and, and, and say what you think about that. No, that, that's good. That's good. It's a, I guess it's a quite towards what I expected really about being a little bit vaguer as they're younger, I suppose, because it's quite easy to overload the brain of, of a young child. And I think um, that's probably an area where definitely myself, anyway, I could improve finding that balance of how much is too much information and how little is too little. Um, but yeah, yeah, I completely agree with what you're saying. And, and again, Liam, um, the, the difference is the words you use, the, the the I mean, if you use, if you say, I don't know, but if you say to an eight-year-old boy, you say, look at the gap, he will, he will look at you and say, what is a gap? You know, a gap is, if you look, if you tell him, look, uh, this is a door open and make the pass in this door, he will understand. You know? So you have to adjust the words. You have to adjust the concepts to the age, you know. Um, you know, it's, again, the capacity... 
uh, a dual is a one v one, but you know it's you you have to 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 in, uh, invent or create words that an eight, nine, ten year old boy will understand. Mm -hmm. And I think this is very important. And this is the most complicated part, you know, because sometimes we want to train eight, nine year old boy like a 18, 19 year old boy, but they don't understand the same words, you know, because mm -hmm. if you ask to a boy when he arrives in your club, what is a gap? He will look at you, say a gap, what is a gap? I don't know. I don't know. You know. And then, if you explain that a gap is a door, a door that means a space between two players, at eight or nine, you can understand this. Yeah. Yeah. Good answer. Thank you. Thanks, Liam. Thanks, Liam. Let's just have one more question from the audience before we move on. Let's speak to Ben. Ben, can you hear us? Can I? Can I? Good, right. Good, good evening. Hi, Ben. Hi, I, ben. Suppose, I suppose mine leads on from Liam's a little bit, Michael, in terms of the playing model. Um, and, and it's around, do you adapt or, or do the club adapt the playing model based on certain players' qualities? So the example I'll put is, if you've got a number nine or under 16s who's got similar characteristics to, say, Olivier Giroud, and then under 15s, number nine, is similar to Kylian Mbappe or Thierry Henry. So very different style and strengths of players. Would you or and would the club adapt that play model to prioritize the strengths of that player? So um, to that's a good question. Huh? That's a good question because you're right. We can have a different kind different kind of players because we're in in a youth development process. We want to understand where his strength is and where his weakness is. I give you an, an example. Uh, if you compare Giroud to Mbappé, uh, Mbappé likes speed, spaces, and dribbling. Uh, Giroud likes crossing and, and, uh, and heading, you know? Um, now, well, because they are young, in the discussion we have every year, we try to, 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 to explain them that a, a good striker must be able to receive the ball in the feet, but he must, he must also be able to run in the space. So if we consider that a striker, because he's young, if we consider that a striker is good in the feet and not very good in the space, we will try to encourage him to run in the space. Say, look, this is your strength. You know how to make it. You know how to do it. Do it. But please try to do other stuff to, I would say, uh, I don't know if I can say it in English, enrich to, yep. to yep. enrich what, what you're doing, you know? Because the idea is if you only rely on your quality, it might not be enough to succeed. You know, so the idea is this. Of course, again, this is the balance between use your strength, but I also want you to focus on what you can do on your weakness to make sure that you're not always asking the ball in the feet. Because if you only ask the ball in the feet like Giroud, maybe it will not be enough. And Giroud is able to run in the space, actually, because when you're a top player, you must be able to do both, you know. Uh, but of course, Mbappé, he likes running with the ball, you know, he likes running with the ball uh, in the feet. Uh, I don't know if you watch the game Hungry France. I don't know, and I'm talking about Mbappé, but there is a big weakness in Mbappé. That's heading. Yeah, because he, he, he received two crosses, you know, and and heading is not is not uh, his strength. 
Maybe if he was younger, we could explain, look, please work on this point too, because when you receive when you receive a ball from across, you must be able to, to, to go for a header and score, you know, because this is part of what we expect from a top player, you know. So you're good at dribbling, you're good at this at speed, you're good, but now just focus on this point. So we do not adapt the game model, but we try to adjust the qualities and the weaknesses according to the game model. Yeah, that's a very thorough answer. Um, and do, 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 do you want to come back on that then? No, I'll just say I'm sure you, you're the same. And I've seen it done both ways with clubs in this country where some clubs push, completely push what the strengths of the player has. And then you're right that sometimes you do lose. Like Jamie Vardy, for example, um, has a super strength. We'd consider that running in the back and has had to adapt later on. Because he wasn't, he was potentially not given the other elements that you discussed, Michael, when he was younger, which may have resulted in being released from a yeah. club at 15. Um, and I do agree. I think the rounded approach, I know you, you said enriched, uh, the word I was thinking of was rounded, is, is, is what's most suitable to develop somebody who can go and excel within any team. Because obviously, you may look to sell the player when he gets to 20, 21, 22, and you don't, you you might not be aware of what style that club want to play and, and, and he has to be able to fit into whatever methodology that that new club's got. Yeah. You're right. Uh, and you know, we are lucky to be in, a, in an academy. So I would say if I want to have the same kind of players, it's easy for me to recruit the, the player I want to have. Yeah. You know, but, 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 but again, because we, we, we work and the, the methodology is based on developing the, the game intelligence. Game intelligence is you must know where your strength is, where your weakness is, and you must make sure that when you are in a situation, you are never you never have to cope with a problem because you, you are able, even if you're not fast, uh, look, Iniesta, Iniesta is not a fast player, but he was always finding the right passes, the right moves, to receive the ball in the in the right areas because he was smart, you know. So you you can always, I would say, compensate, you know, your weakness with your strength if you're if you're clever. Yeah, absolutely. It's a good discussion on yesterday. I'm sure we could we could talk about that one all night. Uh, ben, you know, when he came on, you went, "Oh, this follows on from Liam's question." That's the presenter's excellent scanning, presenting scanning. That's what I call that. Visual aware. Very good, Ryan. Very yeah, good. Just, yeah. I'm just letting I'm just letting you know, so you're aware of what happened there, Ben. <laughs> Never in doubt. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Ben. Um, right, let's just get through a couple more topics before we get to the final questions of the night, and we want to move on to coach development. Um, Michael, not not really something we've we've touched on tonight. So, in terms of coaches, you know, what are the key characteristics that you're looking for when you're recruiting coaches for the Harper? So, um, one very big strength we have at the academy, and I have to tell it, we've all been working for a long time, and we are we are we are working in a very very stable environment. I've been working there for 16 years and most of my colleagues, you know, have been working there, there for more, more than 10 years. So that means you can create a kind of continuity uh, between the players, between the methodology, because, you know, when you're a technical director, it's very important to, and this is part of the management, I would say, to speak the same words, 
to have the same methodology is that, and of course you can have your your own personality and you can have your own but it's important to have a a, a, a core shared by everybody no when I, it's very important to have uh, the, you, you can have your own way of, of thinking, your own way of, of, of communicating, you know, but it's very important to have the same way of working, you know. So uh, we've been working in, at the academy for a long time. And when we recruit young, young coaches, I have to confess that we organize coach courses for them in the academy. Okay, that means because we want them to, not to learn, but I would say to understand the game model to understand, and this is part of my job. I've got a library, as I told you, I've got a library, I've got a game model, and we share all those tools, you know, with the with the with the coaches, but not to say, look, take the PowerPoint and read it and tell me what you did. No, 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 no. We have we have a technical meeting every week, every Tuesday, where we discuss some topics, some technical topics about transition, about uh, every Wednesday we organize um a global uh, practice every month. Uh, so that means we, we gather this, the 17th, 19th, and the reserve teams, and we organize different workshops, and all the coaches are, share, are, are sharing the same ideas and are split, you know, in different workshops, you know. So we've got a teamwork, you know, and when we recruit a player, we want, when we recruit a coach, we want him to be a clever guy, fully adaptable, ready to share ideas, but also to accept ideas, okay? Because if I have a coach coming and say, look, uh, I want to play in a 3-5-2, this is the, I don't care, I don't want him, you know, because I say, look, we want to share the same methodology, so we ha you have to be able to adapt. Bring your own ideas too, because sometimes we construct the game model, you know, and sometimes say, yeah, but look, maybe we can ask the striker to run So we add, we construct the game model all together, you know, and this is a kind of teamwork, you know, because sometimes in a club, we ask the players, you know, the young players to play as a team, but the coaches rarely, rarely want to play as a team with the other coaches. I've got my own recipe, I've got my own way of playing, and I don't want to share it. So I want them to work as a team. So this is very important, sharing the same, the, the same language, the same methodology, the same drills. And then if they have a dream to share, if they have some ideas to share, share them, you know? And it's very interesting because, you know, the young coaches, you know, they're happy when we have a technical meeting and say, oh, look, I've got a, a dream to show you. Do you, would you like to share? And we share this, these ideas and then we collect them in a PowerPoint. And then of course, we uh, we share them to, uh, to 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 all the other coaches, and then when they create their their sessions, they decide to use it or not to use it or to have other ideas, but they have to, to remain in the same philosophy. It's quite clear there, you know, isn't it, Ryan? There's a real philosophy and an investment in the coaches as well. Uh, you know, and having a wide variety of different knowledge and experience is helping the newcomers to coach and develop. But one thing that you mentioned there, uh, Michael, is language uh, and something within our, in our academy. Uh, we follow Raymond Verheyen. I'm sure you've come across uh, the Dutch coach educator in terms of the language that we use. And I think for players, sometimes when I played a, a long time ago, I'd go and play for one coach and I'd play for another coach. 
and he was speaking a different language completely to the one using different phrases for press or a jacks or, or whatever it may be. Yes, so, yes. so what do you do at La Havre to have the same language? Do you have like a, you know, a, a Bible of these are the, the phrases that we use to explain certain things? Yes, yeah. we have some, uh, we have a PowerPoint with every option and, and words and possibilities and analysis to make sure that, as I said, step by step, little by little, the kids are, are taught, I would say, the same thing, you know. And we also have, uh, as I said, technical meetings, teamwork all together to create and to, I would say, make sure that every day, every week, it's not something only written, but it's something that we can discuss, that we can debate, you know, we can organize debates. And, and there is one important point, very important point. And I know that maybe it's going to be shocking, but I, I will tell you, we don't want them to focus only on winning. So that means, concretely, that means when we consider that your best player in the team is good enough to go in the upper category, we serve them in the upper category. That means we rarely play with our best teams because when we consider that the player is ready, an under 13 boy is ready to go and train and even sometimes and play with the under 14 team, we send him because we want him to keep on improving. So that means between the coaches, you have to trust each other. Because if you want to, if you want to have Spencer, you want to have my my best striker. I can tell you, no, yes, but he's not ready. No, when if I tell you he's not ready, you trust me. And when I tell you now you can have him, you send him to the upper team and he plays. So that means when you are in Le Havre, when you're under 13, and I will tell you, I, I was training the under 16 team this this season, and I was I was sent two under 14 boys. Because they were top, they were they were top players, and the under 14 coach told me, "Look, Michael, please." First, they went to the under 15 team, and then they were sent to the under 16 team because they were so good that we were sending them because they have to keep on working. And if they play with the under 14, it's too slow for them. It's too it's too easy for them. And we want them to be challenged because being challenged is what you expect when you're a top player. So I, we want them to challenge. So when we have discussion, we have to find this balance, you know, and of course we have to, to trust each other. So that's why, you know, when I tell you, when I tell you discussion, technical meeting, uh, sharing the same language, sharing the same vision, if there is a coach refusing to send uh, his, um, his best player, then he, he breaks the, the connection be between the team. And my job as a technical director, is to go and watch all the teams and to say, what do you think about this player? Oh, yes. Uh, oh, Michael, I want to say, okay, I agree with you. You know, so there is a kind, I, I'm a kind of, of the referee, you know, bring your ideas, tell us if you want the, the player, but I'm also here to check when I say check or share ideas with them, you know, so this is how we work. And it, would you say, you know, in, in French youth development football, is it very much a culture where it's about player development and moving players up an age group or, or two? Or is it more about winning? I know Belgium many years ago, and Chris van der Hagen, I'm sure you know, 20 years ago, they ripped everything up and it was all about player development. And we've seen, obviously, the fruits of that massive change that van der Hagen made there. So how is it in France? Do you still have the coaches that are obsessed with winning all the time? Or is it, is it shifted? You know... Uh, 
and, and this is the the problem with young with youth football you know because we want to win like pro teams you know because we we consider that if we win we are top coaches yeah i will tell you i don't care if i win the most important i would say the only objective they have for the season is not to be relegated of course yeah. we have yeah. good players and i promise you my team you bring the baker of the of, of the village if you give him my team he will he will win okay <laughs> so uh, you can ask you know so I, I'm, i'm pretty sure of that because the players are top so my job as a, as the youth developer is to identify when a boy is ready to go in the upper team is to identify when he's not ready because he, he is not ready mentally or he's not ready physically or and the, this is i would say the heart of our job you know is not to focus on winning winning is for parents winning is for uh, the agents but in the half we don't care if we finish first or second but at the end we we count the number of players you know who went through our academy and who are now playing in the pro at the pro level and i will tell you something in the last five or six years we've produced players you know they now play in um, in um, in pro level uh, lis mousset is playing in england actually he's playing in 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 in, in, in uh, and you know that lis started at the age of five and a half so that means he, he went all through the process and we have many players who started at the age of five and a half, six, seven, and who were able to went all through the process of youth development, reach the pro, the pro team and now playing for British clubs or other clubs in Europe, you know? So this is where I assess the quality of youth development. The rest, and I promise you that when, when I go to my chairman, I tell him, look, we finish first with the under 13 boy, he doesn't care. But if I tell him, look, This Mousset was sold, uh, let's say, four, seven, five, eight million in England or in Spain. Oh, he's happy, you know. So, <laughs> yeah. so, so our job, our job is to help the kids to grow, to improve, to be better players. When we win, we are happy. I'm very happy when I win the cup. I'm happy when I win. But my job is to help them to grow and and become top players. The rest, I don't care. Fantastic. I think just one final question before we um, before we look to wrap up, and that's and you mentioned it just there, and that's parents. Um, so parents are a really interesting stakeholder uh, in 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 the game and in people's development. And here in England, you know, we get the good, the bad, and the ugly. Um, what's it like in La Havre? What strategies have you got in place for parents to be a positive in a player's development? You, you're right. We've got the same problems in France. Uh, in Le Havre, we, I will tell you something. Uh, honestly, we don't have so many problems. It could be, uh, it's much worse, you know, everywhere, but not in Le Havre. We sometimes have a problem, but it's not, it's not so much. We educate them. When I say we educate them, we organize meetings, we explain the philosophy, we explain that uh, all, all I told you, about game intelligence, about game philosophy, about game model, about uh, that uh, it, when we consider that their player is ready, they will be sent. You know, now we are in June, some agents are calling me, Michael, next season, do you think that this under 16 boy or under 15 boy can start with, I say, look, this is my job. Do your job as agent, please trust me. I promise you, and they know. 
I say, look, I promise you that when he's ready, he will go. But if I tell you no, so now they know the they know the, the general organization, so they trust, you know, and and because they trust communication, meeting, of course, there are some crazy people sometimes, and you can do everything that you will never have uh, the right behavior. But um, but uh, yes, I think we have to we also have to communicate and educate the, the, the parents. Fantastic. Well, Spencer, you know, we promised that the, this last hour and a half would compete with the football. And I think, you know, I think we've done more Absolutely. than that. We've done more than that. Um, Michael, I want to thank you very much for your time, um, your expertise. Um, I've really, really enjoyed that. Um, I think it's, as I say, everybody who's in youth development knows about La Havre and, and just fantastic. So thank you so, so much. It was a great pleasure to, to speak with you, to share ideas. And uh, well, it was a great moment uh, it's, uh, to speak English first <laughs> and, and, to share, and to share with you today. Yeah, much appreciated, Michael. As I said at the start, I saw you three or four years ago in London. It inspired me to really explore scanning more and build it into my practice. And hopefully, you know, the message for the coaches that are listening tonight, how important it is in terms of, you know, developing players. Uh, for the future. So, like Ryan says, thank you ever so much for your time this evening. It's been an absolute pleasure. And uh, we're going to have a, a month off, aren't we, Ryan? Are we having a month off next month? Is it holiday time? We're allowing ourselves a month off. I think that's in, in, important. But we will be back um, in August uh, when we uh, welcome uh, Andoni Bombin. I will get it right I will get it right by the time he's there um, uh, Bilbao Spencer you know how I feel about Bilbao I mean what a what a club you know they've got no choice but to produce their own players um, so that should be a great evening as well yeah absolutely and uh, Andoni's like head of methodology there he's previously worked as a, a coach before going off to China so, you know, vastly experienced and knowledgeable. And like you say, Bilbao, recruit from the Basque country. Um, so it's very limited, but, you know, unbelievable track record, just like La Havre, in terms of developing young players for competitive football at the highest level. So um, we'll, we'll be uh, holidaying next month, hopefully. Not together, I must add. We don't want holiday together, do we, Ryan? We're not, we're not that close. Not yet. Uh, and then we'll be back in August uh, with Andoni, which uh, we're really looking forward to. Um, but Michael, thank you again. Good luck to France in the rest of the Euros. I'm sure you won't need it. And um, uh, thank you to everybody that's tuned in tonight. And I hope everybody's well. And we look forward to seeing you next time. Okay. Thanks ever so much. Thank you. Thanks, Michael. Au revoir. Thank Au revoir. you. Au revoir.